0: What are some of the hidden impacts?
1: I think the main issue is that a lot of the times we don't even know the kind of waste we're dealing with. Kudos to them for coming up with this technology where they're able to make money off of trash.
0: I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. (laughs) Absolutely. It's awesome. (laughs) That reminds me of a project that I read about recently where a 3D printer was used in much the same way to reprint missing parts of toys testing testing hey i'm ian
2: and i'm Sophia,
0: and welcome to talking with green teachers
2: this is the environmental education podcast where we discuss recent developments big ideas and creative approaches to teaching green In this episode a more solution oriented conversation
1: to this problem is better than just kind of talking about continuously talking about the problem and and talking about a circular economy does that it essentially gives students the autonomy to think of a solution to this problem it it does not spend too much time on the problem rather it forces students to think outside the box be creative look at the world in a different way and in the word transition right
2: Make. Use. Dispose. Those four words encapsulate the modern industrialized economy. It's based on a linear model, and for all its wonders, we know that it's unsustainable. That's why you've perhaps been hearing more and more about a sustainable alternative known as the circular economic model. Green Learning runs a virtual educational program called Eco360 where students, quote, actively engage in creating a circular economy by exploring innovative solutions for reducing, reusing, and recycling plastic waste. Ian connected with Green Learning's program manager, Nasish Qureshi, to discuss the ecological and economic benefits of the circular economic model, as well as tips for teaching about it.
0: Let's start with the word waste. I think we take for granted that the word waste is normal because it's so much a part of our everyday lives, but it really isn't. It's not only a recent word, but it's entirely human. So what does waste mean in the dominant linear economic model that we see most often today?
1: For sure, yeah. So uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, Waste is a very... If you think about um, just in context of human civilization, it is a relatively newer term. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the context of a linear economic model, so what a linear economic model is, it's essentially it does work very much in a linear fashion where there's a begin beginning to it and an end to it. And so in a, a linear economic model of consumption and production, Uh, We essentially take raw materials, we make something useful out of it, Uh, we um, sell it to consumers, uh, they use that product, and then after use the consumers dispose of it, and then uh, that disposal essentially is waste. So if you think about it, our linear model is very much dependent on this, or rather the the, way, the waste is like a, uh, a necessary component of this uh, linear model. It's a direct correlation of consumption. As the consumption is increasing, our waste is also increasing. Unfortunately, that's just the way the process has been set up. And this waste disposal, Unfortunately, we have kind of been thinking in a manner up until very recently that as long as this is out of sight, out of mind kind of thing, we don't have to worry about it. And so typically, you know, we uh, dispose off of this waste in landfills. And these are waste, by definition is something that has no value, that is literally just dumped in there. It has no value and uh, we just want to forget about it so that's how uh, we have understood waste in a linear uh, economic model
0: and a response to that is a circular economic model and you run a program that green learning called what is a circular economy so i think it's probably easy for me just to put that question to you what is a circular economy
1: Absolutely. So because we have been thinking and operating in this linear fashion, which is quite naturally very unsustainable because we don't live in a world with unlimited raw materials and we certainly don't have unlimited land to keep disposing off of our waste. So naturally there had to come a point where we started thinking about uh, the problem because it's no longer out of sight and out of mind, uh, because there's so much waste. Now we can see it. Uh, we cannot just, you know, hide away from it. Unfortunately, there's too much waste in, in the world and circular economy is, is a solution to this problem. So essentially what a circular economy is, is that it's a, it breaks that linear model. It challenges that re- linear model of take, make use and dispose. And it transforms it into a system where you're closing the loop on, uh, on a product. So there's no disposal at the end of it.
0: So how do you make all this happen?
1: So you have to think of industrial systems where the entire system is very like restorative or regenerative by intention and design. So you are going into it with the intention and you're designing a system where you're going to put in all these pieces that you don't you literally avoid that end stage because that end stage also impacts your you know the the beginning of it right like you don't have to then take out as many raw materials if you're able to just take all of that waste and turn it into something useful that can uh, go back into your system and generate value out of it. So it replaces that end of life concept with restoration. And it shifts, you know, towards the use of and that's another actually component of circular economy that it shifts the use of energy that's being inputted into production of these uh, materials, to rely on renewable energy, because if you're not using renewable energy, it also has a component of waste as a byproduct of uh, this production cycle, right? So essentially, you're at all stages of production. If you have waste as a byproduct, a negative externality, you're going to address that. You're going to replace it with something uh, regenerative and something useful. So that is Uh, I guess, in a nutshell, a circular economic (laughs) model concept.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into the economic and ecological benefits later in the discussion. But I think a natural question that pops up is, how is this different? And for that matter, how is this similar to recycling? And I kind of imagine creating a Venn diagram that takes me back to the school days of, (laughs) you know, the similarities in the middle and the differences on the outside. So if you were to do a Venn diagram of circular economy and Recycling. Where would the different details go?
1: That's a very good question because many times circular economy is confused with recycling. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, uh, folks think that it's one and the same thing, or recycling is the solution. The idea is that recycling is the way we've done it, right? Like traditionally and up until now, recycling is very much a you know end of life process of a product and recycling these days, typically end of life waste products that have low value. And it is very much dependent on this linear uh, model, because uh, the way we do recycling is that we have to create these low end uh, end of life products, and then we just recycle them to stay that those low end products. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still want to extract as many raw materials to create as many products, and you know keep following this linear model. And then we just you know have that low end process at the or low value process the end of the life cycle where we're just recycling and also like not everything is recyclable uh, actually our recycling rates are very low unfortunately absolutely uh, right and all uh, you know and um they're very low the recycling rates are very low and also we are not able to recycle them as many times there's a lot of products that can only be recycled a few times and then they end up in uh, landfills so So there's definitely differences uh, in the sense that recycling is very much a process that is thought of at the very end of that product life cycle. And it is not something that we incorporate at early stages of the product's life cycle. So with a circular economy, how it is different is that you're consciously thinking of all the stages and you don't think so much of recycle, but you're thinking about uh, repairing, you're thinking about uh, refurbishment, you're thinking about repurposing of materials to make them high end, high value and products. So you're not turning, you're not going to keep losing value of that product. If you go through a recycle, if you go through a circular economic model, you're, you're adding more the system that you have in place is turning that into something of a higher value. Whereas in recycling, with every with every iteration, it's going to keep on losing its value and ultimately it will just be disposed of in a landfill. So it is very much different and a circular economy limits that element of recycling the way we understand it. So you're going to try to like either fully close the loop And if there is a component of recycling towards the end, you want to like narrow it um, as much as possible. So that I would say is some differences between the two models, I believe.
0: So to crystallize it, it kind of sounds like you're saying recycling is tacked on kind of doing the best we can with a broken unsustainable model. Whereas a circular economy is just totally changing the model right from scratch. Would that be a fair characterization?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So a lot of it's times, like you mentioned, recycling is, is thought of like as a Band aid. It isn't even a band aid because yeah. it, it, it's not addressing the main problem, right? It's uh it's a lot of the time something that we we think we're you know, that's something that we're doing and then we just want to feel good about
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: addressing the problem and I guess like some greenwashing there too. Maybe like it's we're not really going to the bottom of the problem. We're just kind of addressing a very small aspect of it and and unfortunately, even like I mentioned, the recycling business uh, in itself is also, we're not seeing the results that we wanted to see anyways, like for Canada, the recycling rates, the national recycling rates are so low that it just doesn't make sense for all practical purposes. It, it's like, are we even recycling anything? So
0: that's yeah, not enough to put a big enough dent, not nearly a big enough dent in the for issue. Sure.
2: Talking with Green Teachers is produced by Green Teacher, a nonprofit that has been enhancing environmental education since 1986. For only $32 a year, you can join our global network of passionate environmental educators, receive each issue of our quarterly magazine and gain exclusive access to our vast archive of webinars and magazine back issues. All proceeds go back into the organization to support our vision of helping each successive generation of young learners become more environmentally literate than the last. To learn more, visit greenteacher.com. It's easy to take for granted how big a role biomimicry plays in our lives. It may play an even bigger role as the circular economic model becomes commonplace.
0: I think one of the most intriguing aspects of circular economic models is the focus on regenerating natural systems. What are some of the core aspects of that?
1: sure. So actually, if you think about it, the circular economy, the circular economic model very much takes inspiration from the natural world.
0: Yeah, biomimicry
1: exactly so in the natural world there is no waste in our natural ecosystems there's no concept of waste right Uh, there are no landfills in in the natural world uh, what is waste from one organism? It becomes food for another organism. So there is literally no waste in in the natural world, and everything is powered by <laughs> renewable energy, which is the sun. So it is a beautiful system, and everything is in is in balance. You know, nothing is produced more than required and although we are messing with that balance (laughs) Hmm. but the natural system works perfectly there is no waste generated there are no landfills and so we can take inspiration like you mentioned through biomimicry which is a, a practice in engineering and it has application in different disciplines but engineering architecture some fields where you can take inspiration from uh, natural systems, natural designs, and implement them into our, you know, human-led <laughs> endeavors. I guess, in different uh, products that we may, de- you know, design or different systems, you can take inspiration from the natural world, being mindful of these concepts of. Uh, no ways to circular model and see how you can take inspiration to solve some of the problems that we're facing with with our um, current linear model.
0: Yeah, so it would seem that less extraction of natural resources is a pretty obvious benefit. Are there any other top benefits of the model?
1: Absolutely. So you're not, like you said, you're not extracting as many raw materials. This mass production and mass consumption, you know, that we are currently faced with, which has a lot of negative side effects. So one is that we are running out of raw materials. And at some point, we'll have to figure out how to sustain the needs of humanity, even though like we're running out of raw materials. So we have to answer that question. The other thing is that our systems, because they don't rely on on renewable energy, our systems are uh, generating a lot of greenhouse gas emissions. So we have to deal with the problem of climate change, which is very much driven by um, the way our economy is currently modeled, uh, because we do have very carbon intensive uh, energy systems. And so we have to deal with that problem uh, with our current economic model and, of course, the problem of waste. Uh, So if we don't manage our waste properly, if it ends up in the environment, uh, which has been happening for years, there are an array of negative impacts depending on the kind of waste we're, uh, we're dealing with. And that in itself actually is disrupting natural ecosystems. It's having an impact on biodiversity and all of these pieces are, you know, just adding on to the problem of climate change. And um, in general, this environmental degradation that we are currently facing. So we can avoid, we can definitely avoid a lot of things if we were to change our approach and adopt a circular economic model.
0: Definitely. What are some of the hidden impacts?
1: I think the main issue is that a lot of the times we don't even know the kind of waste we're dealing with because not always do we know the 100% chemistry of products and and just waste that ends up in the environment. So if you think about plastics, we may not necessarily know fully what is included in that plastic because plastics historically, you know, they have not being considered a a toxic waste. And so there's, you know, you don't necessarily know all the time what is inside all of it. So if you don't necessarily understand what is inside a waste product, you cannot fully understand its impacts. Having said that, a plastic waste is definitely the biggest form of waste that is currently, you know, found in in the environment and something that the entire world is trying to address. and there's different uh, impacts of plastic waste in the environment. There's, of course, the more obvious ones where through physical interaction with the natural world, and you know biodiversity in animals, and we talk about life in ocean. It can, if plastic is being ingested, then you know it's uh, basically the the animals can you know just choke on it, or there's just all of these impacts of it, and then unfortunately they die over time or they are strangulated with different kinds of plastic. Mm. So that would be like, I would say, a more obvious one. But of course, there's textile industries as well. There's fossil fuel industry. There's so many different uh, waste streams where uh, we have to address their impacts, the impacts of waste generated from these industries on the natural world.
0: Needless to say, this is very alarming stuff. The question then begs, how do we respond?
1: If I were to give like a simple takeaway (laughs) from this part of the conversation, I would say is that these are in itself like they're useful economies and we need these products. The main thing is that they should not end up in the environment. They don't belong in the environment. So if we are producing them, if we are using them, the bare minimum, we cannot allow them to be in the environment because that's not where they belong. They belong in the economy, right?
0: For sure. Like in no way is this shutting down a market-based economy. It's not shutting down innovation and entrepreneurship. It's far from it. Hey, it's Ian. I'm just here to let you know about two of our newest books, Teaching Kids About Climate Change and Teaching Teens About Climate Change. Each one is kind of like an educator's toolbox with ready-to-use hands-on lessons focused on four core dimensions of climate change. Visit greenteacher.com to get your copies. We also have special rates available for bulk orders, and all proceeds go back into the nonprofit.
2: Not to be forgotten are the many new revenue streams that can be opened up in a circular economy. Let's move
0: on to the financial side of things. I think it would be difficult to fault somebody from an organization who says, you know, this sounds great, but how does it impact the bottom line? So if you were to get that kind of question, what would your response be?
1: Yeah, it's actually you'll be surprised, but there are a lot of organizations and just uh, think tanks who consider the circular economy as a as an excellent opportunity. Oh yeah, as a huge business opportunity, because if you think about it, what is uh, waste in the end? It is literally just lost value, yeah. um, right? It's just money that's sitting in a landfill. So why would an organization want to you know just lose out on such an incredible opportunity to capture that value and somehow repurpose it into its business model so it's essentially you know adding a new revenue stream to your business model And so there's definitely organizations do see this as a a great opportunity to innovate and create new business models where they can recapture, like I mentioned, that lost value. To give you some examples, I know there's efforts on policy levels as well, governments working together with organizations and just innovators to come up with solutions and helping them sort of jumpstart on, you know, this transition.
0: So who's out there actually making all this happen?
1: There are definitely some examples of organizations that we have come across that are mm-hmm. uh, super innovative and very, very cool in what they're doing. And uh, one example is actually this one organization just in our backyard in uh, Edmonton. There's this organization called nrchem and uh, it's a Canadian firm, and they are essentially turning municipal solid waste, any solid waste that has carbon-rich residue, and they have this patented technology where they're turning that through a chemical process into biofuels and uh, renewable chemicals. This uh, organization has partnered with City of Edmonton and they actually operate their biorefinery, operates out of City of Edmonton's uh, waste management facility. So they have partnered with them and they essentially take this solid waste, which is typically materials like textiles or non-recyclable plastics, wood residues, you know, uh, plastic containers, stuff that will just go to a landfill or be incinerated. Uh, so they, that is their feedstocks. So they take that and they t- turn it into biofuels and other renewable chemicals. So that's literally taking waste from landfills and stuff that will be added to the landfills or be incinerated, which is not a good process. Just burning waste in your oh, you goodness, know, no. Uh, Yeah, which unfortunately happens in in many parts of the world, which definitely very harmful to the environment. So it's an excellent, very innovative, you know, business model and kudos to them for coming up with this technology where they're able to make money off of trash.
0: I mean, it just doesn't get better than that. (laughs) That's
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I actually have visited the facility. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, in Edmonton. And I really uh, encourage folks, if they live in the area, even for schools, it, it can be an excellent field trip to the waste management facility and also just seeing firsthand how the uh, city is managing their their municipal waste and then how this piece is working at the facility you know taking some of the waste and turning it into something incredibly useful
0: yeah i mean for our listenership i don't think we have to talk too much about the value of field trips and seeing real <laughs> world examples but hey it's just a good reminder of that
2: <laughs> absolutely
1: yeah
0: <laughs> green teachers main office is located on the traditional territory of the anishnabek here on wendat Haudenosaunee, and Mississauga peoples. This territory is covered by the Williams Treaty.
2: Put it all together, and there's plenty to motivate and engage students in the classroom and beyond.
0: At Green Learning, you run the Eco360 program, where students in grades nine through 12 are challenged to, quote, propose a feasible innovation plan that incorporates a circular economic model, eliminating plastic waste from the environment. That sounds like a dream project for a student or a teacher. Could we get an insider's rundown of the challenge?
1: Yes. So at Green Learning, we launched this program, uh, Eco360, transitioning towards circular economy. And this program invites students to explore all of these concepts that we talked about in uh, much detail. And uh, there's different aspects to the program and so at green learning we typically our programs have these learning uh, modules where you're going through different activities in a in a series of you know in a series where you're building on Uh, you know, these concepts and uh, there's a lot of take action and and very hands-on learning experiences for students as well. And uh, our goal is really to kind of do our best to engage the student and uh, relate their learning in the classroom with uh, real world problems. Uh, And so this program does that very much. And at Eco360 program, we aim to address different waste streams Mm -hmm. Like uh, as we will in future, we plan on adding more waste streams to this program and kind of exploring each waste stream and seeing how each waste stream can be adapted into a circular model. So the first phase of this program, when we launched it earlier this year, it currently explores plastic waste problem. And so our programs, after you have gone through all of these learning modules, at the end of our programs, we have a culminating challenge where students apply all of that learning to solve a real-world problem.
0: So as they're addressing these problems and like putting a plan together, what kind of parameters do they have to adhere to?
1: So it can be any sort of innovation plan. It can be a policy solution. It can be an awareness campaign. It can be a business model, a service, or a product uh, where you are essentially taking plastic waste away from, uh, you're eliminating it from the environment.
0: What were some of the standout submissions?
1: We did receive some excellent submissions from high schools. I will include one example. It was the school that won the first prize in this challenge, and that's Queen Elizabeth School in Edmonton. And so they had a very innovative plan where they essentially purchased a 3D printer a 3d printing machine that was uh, something that they really needed and so they were looking for ideas to make this 3d printer sustainable and and not generate waste Uh, so this 3d printing machine does take in plastic as a sort of an input
0: that's so cool how did they use the printer
1: and so their innovation plan was to create a this mini like supply chain system where they're going around their school district and the students will collect plastic waste from all of the schools who are part of this plan And they essentially will be diverting their plastic waste and this plastic waste will then be turned into just usable raw input and they will be able to, you know, use a 3D printer in a very sustainable manner. They're also utilizing it for their learning purposes, but also they're taking away plastic from other schools who sign on to this plan essentially. And so this was, they actually wanted to implement this project in this school and the money that they won from our program went towards this project.
0: That's like the definition of a win-win.
1: Yeah, and we thought this was an excellent innovation plan. It also had an awareness component to it where the students were engaging in outreach and training and other info sessions with uh, students in other schools and uh, just community at large and uh, telling them about their plan and some of the amazing things that they were able to accomplish as a result of implementing their plan. And they're very thoughtful. They also included how much waste they think they're going to divert It's always great to see how, see when students are able to use our materials and create a very positive impact in their communities.
0: Yes, gold star to them. That reminds me of a project that I read about recently where a 3D printer was used in much the same way to reprint missing parts of toys. Where if, say you had like a toy truck or a doll and like take the doll as an example, like the leg came off. You could reprint the legs so that you could continue using the doll so that the doll wouldn't end up in the landfill. And and it was used with all manner of toys. And I mean, how could kids not get so excited about something like that?
1: absolutely yeah that's that's an amazing idea i should write that down and share it with the school but that's like that's another way of like using the uh the 3d printer to you know also address another possible waste stream so that's amazing
0: yeah i have to admit i've never actually used a 3d printer which is totally embarrassing in the year 2021 but <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah. It's the the technology, some of the technology, the stuff that they're able to do. It's uh, mind boggling. (laughs) I think I am still, I haven't wrapped my head around 3D printing just yet. It looks too (laughs) out of the world (laughs) to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's part of the future that we're actually living in right now.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Hi there. You might recognize my voice from such podcasts as the one you're listening to right now speaking of podcasts green teacher is involved in another one it's called earthy chats and you know what how about i let my co-host jade harvey barrel tell you the rest take it away jade thanks
3: ian hello all indeed we'd love for you to join us for earthy chats our new podcast where we've come together to spend time picking the brains of the brightest and best in environmental education Like Busy Bees, we'll be cross pollinating ideas across our range of interests and knowledge bases to give you the inside scoop on what's new, who's doing it, and how you can do it too. All of the experts featured on the show have resources available Canada wide in the Outdoor Learning Store. That's Canada's non profit outdoor resource store. You can check out the range of educator and student resources available at www outdoorlearningstore.ca so whether you're a teacher educator parent or just a general nature geek there'll be something for you to sink your teeth into did I cover everything there Ian?
0: Definitely thanks Jade so yeah Earthy Chats check it out on your favourite podcast
2: app You just need to know where to start. Fortunately, a bevy of entry points are at your disposal.
0: We've covered a lot in a short period of time about a very complex topic that has so much potential and so much opportunity and just so much positivity associated with it. And we talked about your program at Green Learning and how educators can use that. And it's a free program, I should mention that as well. What else can educators in all contexts do with this information and apply it with their students in a hands-on way?
1: That's a great question. So absolutely. I think that sometimes any conversation in a classroom setting, when it comes to like talking about waste, pollution, and of course its impacts, it can be quite overwhelming because of just the enormity of the problem. Um mm. It's very easy to get hopeless and and feel this this sense of eco-anxiety and uh, feeling like what can we, like, can we even do anything about this? Oh, for sure. So I think that a more solution-oriented conversation to this problem is better than just kind of talking about, continuously talking about the problem. And, And talking about a circular economy does that. It essentially gives students the autonomy to think of a solution to this problem. It it does not spend too much time on the problem. Rather, it forces students to think outside the box, be creative, look at the world in a different way, and, and the word transition, right, like transitioning to a new system. So it really forces students to be creative, innovative, uh, wear their entrepreneurial hats or new policymakers or dreamers. And so we definitely like encourage teachers and educators to adopt this lens when we think of the problem of waste.
0: And how can all this manifest in an on the ground level with students?
1: of course it can it can start off with like just exploring the concepts and teaching students about circular economy its application teachers can take their students outside, if they're able to, if there is access to an outdoor space to explore the world and reconnect with the natural world and encourage students to take inspiration from nature and and see if they're able to think of solutions inspired from nature and applying them to real world problems. We've incorporated those elements into the program as well also like i mentioned because it is an innovation plan that we invite students to explore this issue is so interdisciplinary that you can oh, yeah. uh, you can come at it from different perspectives so you can look at it from a very scientific point of view you know and and you know, purely engineering or bio, uh, you know, lens to the problem, you can wear a policy hat and, you know, try to see how we can organize our policies better and how we can run our cities in a more sustainable uh, manner that we're able to, you know, just manage all of these pieces more sustainably. And of course, you can come up with business solutions for the corporate world to see how you your students can come up with ways in which we can design and develop better systems, models, and products that are not disruptive to the environment. Rather, they're working very much in balance with the environment. So there's a lot of ways that teachers can explore this concept.
0: Especially in the magazine, we're always looking for hands-on activities. Any good suggestions for those?
1: In terms of hands-on activities, so teachers could run repair workshops, which is like taking pieces of the circular model and, you know, trying to demonstrate in class how would this particular piece work, so uh, maybe they can run a mini circular economy club or a workshop where they're trying to implement it on a smaller scale. Uh, mm-hmm. They can demonstrate how a circular economy would work for a classroom where they're not generating any waste, you know. And it, it will be very interesting to see how what are some challenges that they run into, what are some amazing um, new learnings that they unravel in this process. So, there's definitely a lot of applications. And there's a lot of ways that educators can explore this. I know there's a lot that teachers have already done with recycling, but there's all these other R's, right? There's the reduce, reuse, and reclaim, repurpose, all of these concepts we explore in the program. And like each one is a whole module in its own, so to say. So we invite teachers to look at our resources. And we also just, uh, I would mention that our resources are always developed to looking at provincial curriculum. So we always, you know, do that beforehand. So it's easy for educators to kind of see how they can fit in these materials into their existing curriculum expectations.
0: You've got me excited about doing a little mini circular economy just at home. And I mean, you could do it in any workplace too. Like there's no shortage of stuff. And this could be a really neat thing for a workplace culture, a classroom culture, a family culture, a lot of possibility.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And just kind of reminding ourselves that it always starts with the intention and just being mindful. And at least that's what I personally try to do too, is every time we're, when we get into the very details of these new concepts and models, things can get complicated, but it's always nice to kind of take a step back and just remind ourselves why, why are we doing this? You know, why did we make this intention? So Just approaching it with that right intention, I think, is the right place to start.
0: Yeah, it's an important reminder.
1: Yeah, and we're very curious if any listeners, you know, do implement any projects in their classrooms. We'd love to hear what they were able to do. Uh, if they have input for us, that would be great. Uh, I'm sure you'll include information to connect with our organization. But, of course. Uh, yeah, we'll be very, very interested in hearing what uh, folks have to say about this concept and how they use it in their classrooms.
0: Yeah. Spread the word. Well, thanks so much, Naz, for spreading the word in this discussion, which will allow us to spread the word even further. And we can't wait to hear from people to hear about what innovations they are implementing in their classrooms or otherwise.
1: Absolutely. It was a pleasure to talk with you this afternoon.
0: Thanks so much.
2: Once your students have wrapped their heads around the basics, set them off on a challenge and see where their creativity takes them. Chances are it'll be somewhere interesting, and maybe a bit surprising too. That's the fun part, isn't it? Talking with Green Teachers is co-hosted by Ian Shanahan and me, Sofia Vargasnesi. Ian is the show's writer and editor. Logo design is by Devin Terrien. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes to get instant access to each new episode. If you really like the show, give us a rating too. We can also be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us in this episode. We'll chat again soon.
1: if they're in this sustainability field i invite them to go to a waste management facility because it was such an eye opener and just and of course like we are very sad like you know when when we explored that place oh, because yeah. it was just so daunting and just the amount of waste that comes through every 5 minutes it's just mind boggling and there're not a lot of people in a city so when you do that